Hello, welcome to episode 12, and we're going to review the Beach Boys 2020 album. This was released on February 10th, 1969 on Brothers and Capitol Records. This was the last album for a long time, I should say, that was released on Capitol Records. They were about to switch labels. And, uh, well, they continued with Brothers Records in the future, but uh, on a, on Warner Brothers as well. So Brothers Records was their own label, but they needed a bigger record company to promote, I guess, and, and distribute. It's probably, I mean, if they had streaming back then, they probably could have just had their own record company and just released it, you know. I, I remember uh, a current not current um when i was growing up uh about 20 years ago the uh when radiohead was at their peak uh i believe kid a was an amnesiac and maybe other albums were released on their own and so it's possible to do now people can upload things on youtube and become megastars so anyway but back then, it was not easy to do that because there was no internet. Uh, this album was produced by the Beach Boys and the manager, Nick Grillo, engineer somebody and Stephen Desper, uh, I guess. Uh, I know that Stephen Desper um, came up with some ideas and they ended up making him a full-time engineer for them. But I don't know exactly when he started, but I do know he came up with some stuff on this album. Uh, and, yeah, so this is a group effort. And um, the album cover is a photo of the band in styling clothes, minus Brian. Uh, I like their look. <laughs> it's kind of, there's somewhat humor in there with Mike Love's... Uh, shirt long shirt with like a um what do you call it <laughs> some kind of a measuring tape around his waist which is very funny to me but hey it was weird times and they all looked the part for 1969 um perhaps a little late in the game because not too much sooner or earlier than this they were wearing often seen wearing matching uh, clothes in, in promo photos. So they probably should have dressed like this in 1967 on the front cover of something, but that's not how, what happened. So the album photo is, uh, I like it. It's, it's a, a very nice um, picture, and I, I think it makes for a great, uh, a good album cover and I give it a 9 out of 10 now on to the songs the first song is Do It Again written by Brian Wilson and Mike Love sung mostly by Mike Love with Brian on the bridge this is a going back to their roots uh, kind of a song has kind of that surf feeling to it. 
but there's some production quality that's of you know something different and that intro uh, drum beat which is a hundred beats for per second was the I think they needed something at the beginning of the song to add to it because they felt like it just kind of started and Steven Desper came up with that idea uh, of the drum beat a hundred beats per second and it worked and they loved it and they probably I believe this was the song that got Steven Desper kind of uh, hired full-time by the band um, but when I first heard it I thought it was from the 80s because of that <laughs> uh, sound um, but little did I know it was back in 68 plus they were doing a lot of nostalgia type songs this is kind of a do it again kind of song you know and so this nostalgia uh, I would say it's not their first it, they had one in um, I guess it was All Summer Long or uh, one of those albums where there was a song called Do You Remember and I didn't really care for that song this song I actually do like quite a bit there are three tens uh, the catchiness the hook and the production uh, I just I, this song really rocks uh, it's a really nice song and I give it overall an 8.0 Track number two is I Can Hear Music, written by Jeff Barry, Ellie Greenwich, and Philly Spector, sung by Carl Wilson, and his first production. So he produced this song, and a very nice start to his producing career. Um, I think he was trying to, I guess, encourage Brian with this, because Brian being a great a big Phil Spector uh, fan um, I've seen Brian perform this song live before uh, as a solo artist so I know he does really like this song um, I think this is a fantastic production um, it's it's a great song now it is a cover so it doesn't do as well but um, but it's still a fantastic song um, and the production gets a 10 but everything else is 7 or less because it's a cover but overall it does very well for a cover and I give it a 6.4 Track number three is Bluebirds Over the Mountain, written by Eisel Hickey. Uh, Mike Love is singing lead, uh, and Bruce Johnson was the producer for this song. It doesn't sound like a typical Bruce Johnston-type production. Uh, a lot of his stuff, uh, with the Beach Boys at least, is more um, loungy, <laughs> I guess. This one's more upbeat. Um it's okay. I'm not a huge fan of it, uh, really, but I mean, it, it is um, catchy and nothing gets over a seven. The production gets a nine and uh, 
I don't know. There's just some... It's just a blah kind of a song to me. Uh, it, it is kind of a poetic song. And... Um, yeah. So, I, I don't know. I just... Uh, it's passable. It's above average, but not much more than that. And overall... I give this song a 5.6. Track number four is Be With Me by Dennis Wilson and sung by Dennis Wilson. And this is a fantastic production. I feel like it's got, you know, that Pet Sounds kind of... um, influence for sure but Dennis has his own kind of uh, I guess you could say soul more feeling rawness to to it but um, definitely I think the best thing about it is the arrangement and the production and I'm not sure who helped him arrange or produce the song if uh, Daryl Dragon was involved with this one or um, Brian Wilson but um, sounds fantastic it's not the catchiest of songs, but better on the artistic and poetic side. And overall, this song gets an 8.0. Track number five is All I Want to Do by Dennis Wilson and Stephen Kalinich sung by Mike Love. I almost said Dennis Wilson uh, because I was just recently listening to the version on Feel Flow's box set with his voice on it. Now, I have nothing against Mike. I'm not a Mike hater by any stretch. But um, I really feel that Dennis's voice was better for this song. Um, The other complaint I have about this track is the production. There's just something kind of, I don't know how to explain it. Like it's, it's kind of, uh, it's kind of, uh, under, (laughs) it's, it's soft, it's softly, (laughs) obviously it's a heavy song, but it's kind of, uh, too low on the, I don't know how to explain it. Um, maybe you know what I'm talking about. Um, it's the heaviest song perhaps the Beach Boys ever did. And one of the funny notes on this is at the end of the song, <laughs> Dennis hired a prostitute to, uh, in the, and they were in the studio and they recorded it and that's how the song ends. Anyway, the catchiness is a 10, but everything else is kind of blah. And overall, this song gets a 6.2. Track number six is The Nearest Faraway Place by Bruce Johnston. Um, I don't know. Okay, so I there's been times where I kind of like this if I'm in the mood, but generally it's a weak track. Um, the production or the type of keyboard sounds sounds like praise and worship songs from the 80s there would always be kind of this kind of keyboard going on in the background. Um, 
not my favorite kind of music. And there's nothing catchy about this. It's not really that artistic. Um, the strength of it would be the production. There's some strings and stuff in the background that kind of add a little bit to it. But generally speaking, I'm really not a big fan and it's below average and overall this track gets a 4.7. Track number seven is Cotton Fields by Huddy Ledbetter. This was an Al Jardine. He sung, sings lead on this. Um, I believe this version was produced by Brian Wilson and then the single version that was also on Sunflower in England uh, was produced by Al Jardine. I'm not a big fan of either song. I'm really not a fan of country music generally except for maybe Johnny Cash. Um, I know this is considered more folk, but it sounds very basic country to me. Uh, the strength of this song is the hook with, with a 7. The catchiness and the production each get a 6. <laughs> but the art and poetry are way down there. And overall, this is below average. And I give it a 4.4. Track number eight is I Went to Sleep, written by Brian Wilson and Carl Wilson, sung by Brian Wilson, and beautiful song. I gave it a 10 in art, poetry, and production. Uh, this was an outtake first recorded during the Friends sections, and then I don't know if it wasn't completed or they left. they decided to put it on here. It sounds like a Friends track, and if you recall in the last episode, it was on my Friends alternate album, and uh, I think it would have fit better over there. It's got that waltzy kind of feel to it. Beautiful song, and overall, I give this song an 8.2. I Track number nine is Time to Get Alone by Brian Wilson, sung mostly by Carl. And I believe Brian adds some here on the uh, chorus. Yeah. I love this song. It was originally going to be recorded with Redwood, which became Three Dog Night. And Brian kind of wrote it for them. The Beach Boys got mad that he was giving away a hit song although it didn't become a hit song but I think it should have been it um, it sounds like the turtles to me like um, you know and maybe a year or two earlier it would have been uh, right in the wheelhouse of the turtles kind of song um, but yeah I, I just love everything about this the weakest part of this is the poetry with an eight Everything else is, there's three tens in here, catchiness, hook, poet, production, and the art is a nine. I just love this song. I love the blast of acapella, not acapella, the harmony that just echoes out when it says deep and wide. And um, I, uh, this was actually an outtake from the Friends era sessions. 
um, which is why it was on my friend's album, and I think it would have it fit perfectly on that album as well. But it was there. It is the deep and wide. <laughs> anyway, overall, this song gets a nine point four. Track number uh, 10 is Never Learn Not to Love by Dennis Wilson and, (laughs) technically speaking, Charlie Manson, but they didn't give him credit, I don't think. Uh, Dennis Wilson singing the lead here, and the original song was called Cease to Exist, which you can probably find somewhere with Charles Manson singing it. It's kind of more of a folky kind of thing. His music isn't bad, uh, but, of course based on what he did uh i don't know anyway but this is a reproduction and they changed the lyrics a little bit from uh cease to exist uh to cease to resist and um it's a beautiful song i think it's a better song than dennis's other two i think it's the best of his three songs and um Yeah, there's really nothing weak. Uh, The catchiness and hook both get eights, but everything else is a ten. Art, poetry, and production are all tens. And just a fantastic, um, fantastic song. It kind of builds, and it's uh, got that gong. At the very beginning, it's like a gong played backwards. So he reversed it to kind of give it an eerie an eerie intro so overall this song gets a 9.2 so tracks number um, 11 and 12 are our prayer and cabin essence they were smile sessions outtakes and if you want to hear my thoughts on those two songs they were on go check out my smile sessions album review but our prayer was written by brian wilson it's just vocals no words and acapella and cabin essence is a fantastic smile track written by brian and van dyke parks and carl wilson sings lead on that one with a little uh, mike love lead at the end um yeah, so our prayer gets an 8.0 and Cabin Essence a 9.4 uh, to round off the end of the album. The album flow is a 7 out of 10. This is the weak part of this album. I think it has a lot of good songs and some weak tracks. Perhaps some of the weakest songs, some of the songs on here are some of the weakest they have during this era from like 65 to 73. Um, so it's probably my least favorite album of that from that stretch of time and even though it has some great songs on here it doesn't have a singular I guess you could say flow or vision everybody's kind of pitching in here and they don't really know exactly which direction they want to go so that's the weakness of this album and um 
but yeah I think there's some great stuff on here and it's the end of their capital era and uh, sort of you know I think they got a new start with Warner that will be coming up next but overall this album gets a 7.39 now the alternate album is going to be a little bit of a stretch with the timeline I'm going a little bit into the future not much um, to kind of and there's some good outtakes from this era uh, that help make a good album I'm also changing the title of the album from 2020 to landlocked landlocked sorry even though that's a, uh, a, a a working title for sunflower or surfs up the first working title for surfs up which was two years later but I think that title really works for this alter alternate album that I came up with. <laughs> and some of the songs on here that are not on 2020 include Soulful Old Man Sunshine, Celebrate the News, um, Susie Cincinnati, Mona Kana, uh, Breakaway, San Miguel, and a, oh, and Where Is She? Some of this I found on the I Can Hear Music box set as well as the Feel Flows box set because they were recorded a little bit late, but I think they fit well here. And the uh, and the other song is kind of cheating, but it has a couple of Beach Boy, uh, Bruce Johnston's on the song and Glenn Campbell, who was briefly with the Beach Boys, and Gary Usher, who wrote songs with Brian early on. So... And it sounds like a Beach Boys Smile-esque kind of a track. And it's from Sagittarius, and it's a song called My World Fell Down. So, other than that, it's songs from the album, but I took out the two Smile songs. I took out um, Time to Get Alone and I Went to Sleep because they're from my alternate friends. I took out Cotton Fields, The Nearest Faraway Place. I replaced All I Want to Do, Mike's vocal, with Dennis's vocal. Um, Bluebirds Over the Mountain is taken out. And, yeah, there's a little bit of a surprise on Never Learn Not to Love that adds a little effect to this. I lengthened the gong. I added some uh, more vocals from the gong sessions and um, also an interview that Dennis did and another cheating thing here because the interview is from 1976 but uh, anyway I hope you enjoy that part of it so here is side A to my alternate what I call landlocked Wealthy. 
at that point, it almost seemed as if there were two things going on. There were the performing Beach Boys carrying the message and vision of the group to the concert halls around America and around the world. And then there was Brian back home in his room or in a sandbox in his living room at the piano or whatever the uh, particular legend was, creating heretofore unheard sounds on rock and roll records. Pet sounds, if you will. Smile sounds, if you will. Not only was there pressure from the record company to return to a successful formula that had worked for half a decade before, but it seemed to me, and I read on occasion, that the band was... Um, was uptight about it as well. Mm -hmm. The band was uptight about Pet Sounds? A about the direction that the, mm -hmm. the group's music That's was taking. Huh. Are you kidding? Would you say that... <laughs> right. Are you kidding? I, I, we would be in the studio, and he'd play us a song, we'd start singing, we'd start crying. It was so great. I mean, it was like, how could this possibly be happening? Let's just watch right there. But whoever told you that was being humble. Was that Brian telling you? Well, I heard it more than once. Well, if you heard more than once, that's interesting. That there was a fight for control within the group to get back to a um, more commercial hit-making formula. There's not one person in the group that, that could come close to Brian's talent. I couldn't imagine who the fight would be. Would it be my father? No. Didn't he uh, withdraw? <laughs> How do you fire your dad? You say, Dad, <laughs> I'll see you later. You know.
You're listening to this fictitious Beach Boys album. That's the end of Side A. And now on to Side B.
I know.